Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Welcome to another episode of A Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week, my guest is Mark Anthony. Uh, Mark, let's start by talking a bit about um, yourself, your journey, what you're doing, and then we'll get into your uh, your creative strategy. Perfect. Yeah, my name is Mark. Um... I'm 28 years old. I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. I actually moved to Phoenix um, back in 2014. Uh, previously, I, I grew up in Boston. Um, I was actually in school. I was, I was playing football at uh, Boise State, um, studying construction management and architecture, and doing um, all sorts of network marketing, affiliate marketing, um, multi-level marketing, basically uh, anything I could do to try to make some money uh, while I was in my dorm rooms in college, um, pretty much. And um, you know, right when I finished up school, um, was trying to look for a career paths down, you know, the architecture route, um, construction management, all kinds of stuff. I had an interior design associate's degree and really couldn't find anything. And I was just finding, you know, just regular jobs that are that are out there, you know, five guys, McDonald's, stuff like that. And um, I really wanted to stay in kind of my entrepreneurial once, you know, I got I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yeah. Um, it was kind of like, oh, now there's there's no turning back of, of going <laughs> the employee route. Yeah. Um, so I, from Rich Dad Poor Dad, I kind of picked up real estate investing and I got into that, tried wholesaling for a couple of years. Um, you know how tough that is and competitive. And then I ended up moving to Arizona and yeah. um, it got really competitive. Uh, I did a wholesale here. Um I ended up moving to Nashville for a few months. My aunt had back surgery. Um, yeah. And so I went out there to kind of just help her out for a few months, did a wholesale and duplex out there, came back to Phoenix and tried to get the ball rolling again. And I, I went to a meetup and I uh, was, there was a, a guest speaker there saying that she was her 18th month in the real estate business and was doing about 60 grand a month, um, 18 months in. And I was just like, this doesn't, I can't wow. believe it. How, wow. yeah. how, 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 and she went into explaining how, um, she seller financed mobile homes, both, uh, ones that are in parks and then ones are land that are in land, but primarily, um, ones in parks. And, um, that just kind of like blew my mind. And I was like, Hey, this is exactly what I've been yeah. trying to do in, in with single family homes, both wholesaling, you know, seller financing, all these things, with single family homes with a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollar homes. And essentially here I can do the same thing with a twenty five hundred dollar home, a five thousand dollar home, and get the same residual yeah. income essentially. And it just uh blew me away and I dove in the next day. Um I went out and did my first walkthrough on, on a mobile home. Yeah. I was super nervous. Um in Boston, we don't have mobile home parks or trailer parks. No. So uh, I called a few of my friends, my girlfriend, my mom. I was like, hey, you guys have to come with me to do this inspection on a home. And they're like, yeah, you've been trying to do this real estate thing for two years. What do you what do you need us for? Like, you, yeah, yeah. You know? and I didn't want to tell them. I was like, hey, I'm going into a trailer park. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I was just trying to keep it hush hush until like we finally got there. I finally oh revealed what was going on. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I got the home. The guy was selling it for twelve hundred dollars. I gave him like $200 down and I was going to give him more money uh, Friday because that's all I brought with me. Yeah. And uh, this was like a Tuesday. And by the next day, I already had that home sold for $5,000 uh, with $1,500 down. And uh, from there, it was just kind of 
it was just a go. Um, that was kind of just really broke the ice. And from there, I started getting into um, more mobile homes, doing auctions, uh, repossessions, repossessing people's mobile homes who didn't pay um, either their lot rents for their park app for their park fees. Yep. Um, they didn't pay their personal property taxes if they owed taxes on their vehicle, um, their mobile home, or if they were behind on mortgages and other things like that and got into repossessing homes um that way which led me into uh, a few sticky situations with park managers yeah um, them not no. being too friendly no. um them kind of being jealous that i would get homes for five dollars ten dollars and sell them for 20 30 grand and uh so they weren't approving people who i would send in for applications um, because the people have to get approved by the park to live in the community and they were just denying everybody months you know people with 800 credit scores, you know, retired people with all kinds of retirement income, credit, had it all. Um, yeah. And I was denying everybody just because they didn't want me to sell the home. And it ended up forcing me to get into the business of um, moving homes. Uh, so from oh. that point on, I started transporting homes. Yeah. And then I came across pretty much everybody that was buying homes from me wanted their home moved to some land that they bought. Like average in Arizona, like typical buyer was was a um, Mexican family yeah. that saved up, you know, 40, 50, 60 grand, bought a piece of land, bought a trailer and wanted the, the home moved to the land so they could have their own little American dream. And that was pretty much like my staple customer for about four years. And we did about 300 homes like that. Um, before we realized, hey, maybe we should just start buying the land and yeah. ourselves, yeah, and then selling <laughs> to these people and renting it and um, doing some um, kind of like a BRRR, like a buy, rent, rehab, uh, refinance, repeat. But we kind of revamped it with the mobile homes, and we would buy the land, um, repossess a mobile home, relocate the mobile home, reattach it to a new piece of land, and then rent it. And, and kind of made our own version of BR, the Burr um, with mobile homes and um, with repossessing and, re and relocating them. And, and since then, we've done over 2,000 deals since uh, 2015 and yeah. um, have pretty much taken a nationwide yeah. um, across That's the awesome. state. I, you, you drew up a whole bunch of questions. So what does it cost to move a mobile home and like what's involved in that you just buy a you know a transport truck and you lift it up or what how much what's involved in this thing what what's your like hard costs to do something like that yeah so um most of the costs um when it comes to used homes comes down to disassembling the mobile home taking apart take like like turning it into a mobile home again putting it on wheels if it's a double wide splitting it in half so we deal Primarily the double wides because we deal with families. So they love the three bed, two bath, the four bed, two bath. So we don't touch anything unless it's that. So we yeah. always have to split homes in half. Um, so most of the costs actually come from what does it take to get this home split in half? How many days is there um, carport awnings on both sides, patios, uh, decks, screened in decks? Are there trees around the home that we got to remove? Um, in Arizona, they set the homes in the ground. So they'll dig like a four foot hole, oh. um, set the home in the ground and then pour concrete around it. Oh God, that might be hard so to get out gotta, then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so you got to remove all that in some cases. Um, so a lot of the times the, 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 the cost comes down to that. When it comes down to the actual transport, transporting, like how many miles, um, we usually include a hundred miles in, in our transport flat fee, um, just up front. The, the, the distances and the driving is actually the easy part. It's taking it apart, that's hard. Makes sense. And then when it comes to installing it, 
it, it's fairly easy. Um, the biggest component is do they need a septic tank and do they need a well or is it city water and city sewer? And that's really um, the big determining factor on the cost on the install. Yeah. And um, and you sub that out, I guess. You get no, we do that all ourselves now. Oh, OK. Um, yeah. OK. Just just to protect all our timelines. Yeah, exactly. Makes and, a lot makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. um, for repoing. Like I'm guessing you're buying um, properties that are behind or something like that in order to be, have the ability to repo. I was, cause I was like, legally, like how you, how you do that? Cause you're probably just buying like liens, right? That are on property. Absolutely. So there's primarily pretty much two types of liens. There's a tax lien. Yep. Not every state has personal property taxes. So some states, they don't have taxes on any type of personal property, whether it's like an RV, a boat, a motorcycle or a vehicle. Some states do. So Arizona is a state that does have personal property taxes. Um, so when those people get behind, a lot of times people don't even know that those exist and they'll go, they'll buy a home. And then four years later, they've never paid a single tax bill. And then they find out their home gets repoed um, or they have an orange sticker on their door, like a, like a, a, a toe sticker on their front window. Oh God. And so a lot of times we'll go through those. Um, sometimes we'll help the people uh, finance their home back. If, if it's a situation sometimes um depending on how the bid works um the the county can only keep the lien amount so if it's sold over that amount the the remaining goes to the person who lost the home so they can either use that to buy the home back or they can use that to go move in to a new place and just on to the next phase of life um now the other type of auction are landlord liens and this is when the people don't pay their lot rent for their park their park pad fee fee yeah. which is like for trash, sewer, water, sometimes electric. Some some communities include electric, some don't. And yeah. then park amenities, whether um, it's like a gated park, whether they have like a, a dog park, pools, you know, a, a community stuff center with a shuffleboard and bingo and all that other stuff. Um, that's usually what the lot rents include. Now, typically they're around like three to $400 a month. Yeah. Past three, four years with all these new apartments being built, all these uh, new houses being flipped and fixed and investors renting houses, the parks have had to raise rents to match the market. So now rents are going as high as, you know, sometimes $800 in some of the, the best five-star high-end communities, yeah. um, which is really high for most of the country now in California. Yeah. Cause you're not in, in, in most cases, I guess you're, you're not paying for the property. Like usually the tenants own the property and they're paying for the pad and, basically HOA, right? They're basically paying exactly. for the community. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And now those community fees are getting upwards to what used to be $400 when they first moved there, say 10 years ago, say it's a 55 retirement community. Yeah. Those people retired from Canada, Michigan, Minnesota, some are cold and they yep. come here for the winter mm -hmm. and they buy this essentially winter home that costs them what, $250, $300 a month. And now five, six, seven, eight years later, it's $800 a month. And now it's just it's just out of their 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 budget, okay. um, yeah. And uh, sometimes people can sell them, but a lot of times um, it can be hard, especially when they live out of state or if they buy older homes that just are don't have really good resale value. Um, and then there's times where just people just don't know about it, and or they you know other circumstances, then just let them go. So we. Um, we, we try to do as much as we can before the auction to stop them to get going to auction to try to help people see if, hey, if, if, if there's a way we can provide a loan or if we can sell this home for you or buy it from you yeah. or, you know, fourth, fourth case, it just goes to auction and we get it that way.
Um, yeah, because you think about like, I can't see that these are really expensive uh, liens that are even put on these properties, right? Like you think that they could go to a bank or find some way to, to pay them off or even, you know, if someone like you stepped in to, you know, finance it back to them or, you know, just to, to keep them. We've even yeah. seen people um, open up GoFundMes because some of these tax amount, like, so for one of the tax auctions that we got back in uh, 2019, just before the 4th of July, this is actually famous. It made the news yeah. nationally. Um, it was an auction on December, uh, June, right before the 4th of July, like a week or two. Yeah. Um, the home was owned by a disabled veteran. He didn't finish his paperwork. He didn't fill out his exemption form. You know, three years went by. They kept sending him reminders to fill out your exemption form, fill out your exemption form, fill out your exemption form. He refused to fill out exemption form. So he wasn't exempt from taxes. Right. His home went up to auction for 230 something dollars and it got sold for, you know, $250. And that home ended up being sold for, for 52 grand. Oh, and it made the news everywhere. Um, he got a GoFundMe and ended up raising enough money to buy the house back. And, you know, if he just taken that action step earlier, he could have just, got $250 from a GoFundMe and saved it or, you know, used one of our options, our loan options, or there's, there's a bunch of stuff he could have did, but yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It happens. I mean, I've, we, when, when we first started going to the tax auctions, the way that the auctions were handled were um, there was an opening bid. And if nobody bid it on the opening bid, the auctioneer would cut the bid amount in half. If nobody bid again, the auctioneer would cut the bid and start the bid all the way down at $1 and open it up bids at a dollar. And that's where they started. So we were going in getting houses for less than $10. Um, and in most cases for years and years um, until um, other people just started showing up to the auctions and, and just bidding them up. So with, with all this COVID is these auctions still in person or do they do any of these online now? No, they're actually still in person. Really? Okay. Um, so I know some the, of the liens in certain States have switched to an online forum. Okay, cool. Yeah. Now they did shut them down for a little while um, during lockdown, but as soon as lockdown was lifted, they, they, they started right back up again. My question about providing them a loan, right, to try and help them out, um, to protect yourself. So you're holding the lien, they're paying off the lien, they're not paying off a mortgage. So right. you're not governed by doc dot frank you don't have to deal with that that is one of the biggest things because when i first started this business i was doing strictly seller financing and yeah. i got nailed with dot frank with 83 homes yeah at one hundred and fifteen thousand dollars in my bank account that was seized by the irs and 40 grand residual every month that was frozen for 10 months that couldn't get direct deposited into my account because um i essentially just went to the bank to get a business loan um, they wanted to see my collateral, my assets. And I was like, oh, perfect, sweet. I have all these notes. I've been working yeah, for so yeah. long to get up these 83 notes. I was so excited. And they're like, oh, sweet. Where's your MLO? Where's your license? And I was just like, my license? What, what license? And right then they just froze my account, uh, contact the IRS, tried to see my taxes. And they seized everything that was in my account. And Oh. It took me about 10 months to clean it up, to, to re, re, rewrite all those notes with an MLO and um, just to get everything reset. It took, it took a while, but uh, we got it figured out. Yeah. Um, Did you have to go get the license or anything like that? To, no, to I, I found a licensed MLO here locally that I okay. worked with and went through them. Just use them as a, like a broker sort of or an agent. Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah, it was actually a title company that I used here. They had one in office and it worked out really well. Oh, maybe we should um, say what Dot Frank is. <laughs> yeah, just, so, some people are like probably going, what? What are they talking about? <laughs> yeah, so Dodd-Frank and the Consumer Protection Safety Act 
is basically an act that protects consumers against unlicensed uh, mortgage practitioners. Um, so basically, basically each state has their own um, regulations on how much interest can be charged on a home loan. And that person has to also be licensed if they're going to be charging. Now, the, there's two exceptions on when somebody can sell their finance. Um, and those exceptions are if the person is selling to an investor. So and if an investor is buying the property, then they're not a consumer. So Dodd-Frank and the um, yeah. Consumer Protection Safety Act doesn't apply to an investor and if an investor is buying. Or um, if their person is selling their own personal primary residence, one they actually lived in personally, like they brushed their teeth in, tied their shoes, their taxes came there, their mail. It's not a rental property. It's not a vacation property. It's their primary residence. In that case, they can sell or finance their home. Any other case, they would have to use a mortgage loan originator. Yeah. And where this comes into all kinds of businesses, like uh, turnkey operators, what they can charge you. Um, it's a re one reason that a lot of the hard money lenders will not lend to that. They ask you if you're going to live in the house because they don't want to deal with dot Frank. That's it. it that's, that's it's the background reason why a lot of the stuff is all for investors and not for people living in the house, <laughs> because right. it's all, all these these rules they have to go by that. So we got really lucky with the mobile homes because um, what we ended up doing is put these all in personal property trusts. So since it's considered personal property, we could put a personal property lien on that personal property trust and have it act almost like a mechanics lien instead of a mortgage lien. Hmm. And since it's personal property, it, it was kind of like a, a gray area. Yeah. Because um, that, that personal property could be, you know, your grandma's pearl necklace. It could be a, 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 a quilt. It could be collection cards. Personal property can be considered anything. Um, so it was a really kind of gray area where we were able to wiggle through the the, the fine line and, and make it work with that. Yeah. What yeah, I like, yes. I got one last question. So you should off the start, you were talking about that um, basically a flip. You bought for 1200 200 down, and you sold for 5K. So that's a flip. Um, you said you sometimes you burr these. Like what what kind of what how do you set that up? Yeah. So in that case, um, I got um, a thousand down. From that, yep. from that buyer, and then yep. I, I uh, did payments on the rest. So thousand down. So now you're not you. You're really almost out of it because you bought it for twelve hundred. Yep. And okay, then continue. So then she rolled the remaining four thousand um, over twenty four months. So she paid she paid me monthly. Um, yep. What was it? It was like uh, two fifty a month, something around there. Something. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, for about twenty four months, and uh, was, I think it was about like hundred. 160 170 somewhere around there yeah um some of the months she paid more some months she paid less I was, I was pretty flexible on that one with my first one um but when i got into it later typically after that deal i started doing bigger deals where i was selling homes for twenty thirty thousand dollars with five thousand down ten thousand dollars down and then i was using those down payments to go buy more homes at auctions and then sell those on payments and then use those down payments to go buy more homes and then sell those on payments so it worked out really well compared to like single family homes where you got to build up a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand in order to purchase a property to get into it with these mobile homes i was you know you're able to do it with like twenty five hundred dollars five thousand um and i was able to use my deposits yeah to to, to, to to go and purchase new homes and just um pretty much seller finance the rest at first yeah until you know i got caught up with dodd frank then after that, I got into the land and started moving them to the land. Yeah. At that point, then uh, was when we started renting them out. We would keep them, 
take out mortgages on them ourselves. Um, that's you, can get the, that's, a, you can get a mortgage on those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's actually, um, it's actually really easy, especially if you're in communities like rural communities, just yep. outside of major cities where there's, you know, farms, almost every home in, in some communities just out like within the 20 to 50 mile range from big cities uh, is usually all manufactured homes, uh, mobile homes on land, all the farm homes, all those. So we'll target areas like that, that it's already going on where there's, and, and what we typically do is we'll just find the oldest and smallest one that we can find, yeah. rip it off since it already has <clears throat> the utilities there and just replace it with the biggest and newest one we can find. Um, and then find the local credit union. Credit unions are amazing with, with getting loans on these. Um, when it comes to the big, the big three, the big banks, they're yeah. almost impossible unless it's a brand new home straight out of the factory like straight out the factory from the factory to the land um that's usually the only way that you can get a traditional mortgage on them and it's not so much the mortgage company it's the insurance companies that the mortgage requires um the mortgage the insurance companies are kind of sticklers when it comes to insuring these mobile homes whether they're in a flood zone uh whether the snow roof ratings proper for that area the wind ratings proper for that area because with mobile homes they can they they have they can build to different ratings of of wind resistance and snow resistance for both the walls and the roof. Yeah. Um, so depending on you know what zone they build that house, kind of depends on where they can put it. Different areas will need higher zones because they need more snow, more wind, you know, and and then on from there. So yeah, and then the flood zones. So with the insurance companies, they're, they're pretty sticklers when it comes down to that. Yeah. Um, but once you get through that, you get all the pre-qualifications for what the insurance companies needs in order for it to get mortgaged. It gets really easy just to pick the right houses to purchase, to put in the right areas to get them lo to get loans against them. Um, I guess the only tricky part is getting FHA loans. And the only way to get FHA loans is if you order a brand new home straight out the factory, which um, in some areas can work really well. Um, in some areas, I get over $200 a square foot for for trailers. And yeah. they build them, they build them for 50 to $70 a square foot. So there's a amazing amounts of spread. Um, it's really just, just finding those, those locations and then finding the, the, the insurance companies and the banks that will lend on them. And then basically just build around their qualifications. Right. So basically just starting with the, with the, with the lenders, starting with the insurance company, starting with the, with the, with the planning and zoning county. And figure out because some counties will even have um, zoning ordinances saying that homes can't be older than five years, so they have to be 2016 or newer. I've had tons of homes where people bought from me, you know, 1980s homes, 1990s, had it moved to the land to find out they couldn't get permits for it because it was too old for that city ordinance. Where you know, 20 miles down the street, they can put whatever they want there, but in, in this specific or this HOA community or this specific city ordinance, there's different rules. Um, so once you once you figure out all that out, yeah. it gets really easy. You almost kind of just have to pick the home last. You find the land, find the bank, the insurance, the zoning and planning. And the last thing you do is find the home. You know, what's the home that's going to work best um, for right here? Um, so we were able to take out a lot of pretty much mortgages on every home that we get. And then from that point, we rent them out to pay down the mortgage loans and then use the mortgage to go buy more land. That's awesome. <laughs> I love yeah. this. This is, uh, this is exciting stuff. Um, Mark, if people wanted to uh, to get a hold of you, I don't know if you do any coaching or um, if anyone has had a question for you, what's the best way to track you down? Yeah, we have a, um, a mobile home investing academy called Trailer Cash Academy. You can find us on YouTube, okay. essentially everywhere. 
Um, also on Facebook, uh, Mark Anthony or Instagram, um, the period dot or the period top tier. Um, same with LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn, Mark Anthony, um, or through Trailer Cash Academy on YouTube. We have tons of content on YouTube, um, you know, tips and tricks. Um, we have about 200 testimonies of students doing their first deal and kind of what they've learned to, to accomplish their first deal. So tons of free nuggets there um, yeah. on how to help people kind of get through their first deal through all of our different testimonies. Yeah. Um, tons of information. That's awesome. I'll put some of that stuff in the show notes for people to track you down easily. Awesome. Thanks for coming on the show, Mark. I really Absolutely. appreciate your time. Thank you. Appreciate you for having me.